Welcome to the Sooners Extra Post Game Podcast. I'm Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman here with Joe Masato and columnist Barry Trammell. And uh, I believe we're recording this time uh, on, on all three mics, so that's good. Uh, apologize again for uh, the lack of a post-game podcast after the opener, but uh, here on Saturday night, Oklahoma defeated South Dakota 70-14, to and uh, Joe took OU offense a little bit to get going after punting as many times as they did uh, last week on the first drive, but uh, then Oklahoma's offense got rolling, and this game was never much of a contest. Yeah, I mean, 70 points, more than 700 yards of offense. It was, I, I think I described it, just an easy day for Jalen Hurts. You know, he didn't have to do a ton. I, I thought that, you know, going into this game, what some of us were most looking forward to was seeing those second and third team guys get <laughs> and in. We're going to talk about those guys. And we saw that. But yeah, the first team offense, they, they cruised. I thought you saw the offensive line struggle a little bit to begin with, not necessarily with pressure, uh, but just with penalties and communication-wise a little bit. Um, but yeah, another another successful day for Jalen Hurts. I thought um, Kennedy Brooks uh, saw more out of him than, than we did in the opener. Uh, Trey Sermon was good, only nine carries, 58 yards, and then Ramondre Stevenson, 104 yards. So 333 total on the ground, or 310 total on the ground. Yeah, Barry and uh, Joe mentioned the offensive line. They were without uh, Marquise Hayes there and said R.J. Proctor uh, started at that left guard spot, Eric Swenson at the, the left tackle. How concerned are you with the, the four first-quarter holding penalties on the offensive line? Well, I didn't like it, um, but they cut it out. I don't know if they were lazy. I don't know if they were, you know, got caught in some, in some technique problem or some scheme issue. We didn't really see much of that last week. You'd think South Dakota would be the last team they'd need to hold. So it, it, it concerned me a little bit, I'd say. But, you know, they cut it out. So if I was Eric Swenson, I'd be a little concerned. Because <laughs> one thing to get one, but he got two. Yeah, Swenson had two. And there but... seems to be, you know, there's six guys there, and they're looking for a reason not to play one of them. So he gave them a reason. Yeah, so that was uh, a tough start. But, Joe, like Barry said, they uh, – came through after that no uh no more holding penalties after those first four in the the first quarter but we got a little glimpse let's start talking about some of the backups we got a little glimpse of one of the backups a little bit earlier than everybody else with uh ian mciver uh playing at center um for a couple drives what with was that, that all first about? team what offensive was that all about? Line. yeah it they, sounded like they were just trying to get mciver some work just because yeah uh, i mean I if, thought if was... you've got to use him then uh, you need him ready and, and maybe just uh, throwing him out there and, and hoping that he performs well. I thought it was an injury situation, um, and I guess so, someone else – I forgot who asked the question, but um, in the postgame press conference, Lincoln was asked about Creed Humphrey, but he's okay. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any injury concern. Maybe it was just them wanting to give McIver a look with that first-team offense and, and see how he fits around the rest of the offensive line. But so – he really started the train as far as second and third team guys getting in, um, but that was a little early. And then in the third quarter, offensively, you had Tanner Mordecai come in. Defensively, a ton of freshmen, uh, guys like Oguebu, um, uh, Jane Davis, uh, Marcus Stripling, a lot of those guys got in, and it was a whole different team in the second half. Yeah, Even on offense. And yeah. Let me ask you a question. 
since we're talking about young guys. True freshman tonight. A true freshman quarterback threw a touchdown pass. Three true freshman <laughs> receivers scored a touchdown. That's right. Yeah. A true freshman tight end caught a couple passes. One well, how many is one pass. That's surely gotta be one like pass. some sort of OU record. That yeah. Three true freshmen catch but, touchdown passes. Barry, I saw you uh wasn't trying to snoop there, but I saw you firing off an email to uh our friend Mike Brooks. Was that what you were Mike asking? Brooks? Him? Yeah, I was asking him, yeah. He'll know. I could I could <laughs> I could know. spend three hours <laughs> looking it up and he can spend 60 seconds looking it up. Yeah, if anybody's going to know, it's Mike Brooks, and hopefully we'll have him on the podcast at some point soon. But, uh, Barry, Joe brought him up, so let's talk about him. Uh, Spencer Rattler, we got our first on-the-field action for him, and it seemed like it went about as well as anybody could have hoped, completing all four of his passes for 50 yards. We got to see him run a little bit. Uh, let's see, what did he finish with? A couple carries for 15 yards, and uh, – just looked in control and, and poised. Yeah, and, and I liked Mordecai, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought both those guys were really solid. Some, a lot of times, even if the quarterback is pretty good and, and doing all the right things, when you get in with the second unit late in the game, everybody's sort of haggard and, and you know, the game's a little ragged and you know defense starts dominating and just gets sort of um, muggy. But the offense remained crisp, just excellent all the way through. So, uh, and the quarterbacks delivered the ball on target. Very impressed with both of those guys. Um, I'm not ready to say Jalen Hurts and Tanner Mordecai. You know, Mordecai, I think, was a little nervous. His first throw bounced. Yeah, uh, on Skip about a ten yard, ten yard. But after that, he was excellent. And then threw a touchdown just a couple, few plays later. Yeah. So, um, so I think both. I think they were. You know, I think both those guys look like they could play. Yeah, of course, Joe, it helps when you've got uh, the receivers out there that Oklahoma did, even with Spencer Rattler out there. You've got guys like uh, uh, Trajan Bridges and, and Theo Weiss and Austin Stogner out there. So the, there's not a shortage of weapons, uh, even when you go very deep into the receiving core for the Sooners. No, not at all. And we're talking about those three freshman receivers um, – it was Hazelwood's first touchdown tonight. He had a couple catches against Houston, but for Bridges and Weiss, Weiss didn't even play against Houston. Had a 37-yard touchdown. Uh, Brid- Bridges uh, did did play against Houston, but got his first career catch tonight. So yeah, they had options to throw to. Um, I I'm like Barry. I thought Mordecai was you know equally impressive as, as far as Spencer Rattler. When the quarterbacks go, they combined 10 of 12. Uh, Mordecai threw for 114 yards, so I think it was important not only to get those guys in there and get them some reps just handing the ball off, but I think, you know, South Dakota understands that Oklahoma's not trying to run the score up. They're just trying to get Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler some reps, uh, and that happened tonight, and I think that was probably one of the biggest things to check off of Lincoln Riley's list. Yeah, no doubt about it. Got to go uh, really deep into the lineup on both sides, not only – those guys that we mentioned, but Marcus Major got to see him a little bit. The the freshman running back from Millwood, he had what five carries for twelve yards. Ramondre Stevenson wound up having a lot of yards, six carries for one hundred and four yards. Well, you go you go seventy five on one play, you're going to have it with some good numbers. Yeah, it, it uh, that certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, but uh, looking up and down the list, you know, one of the young guys that uh, played a lot in the second half defensively 
that was really impressive was Jaden Davis. He had uh, the, the, the uh, one turnover and almost had another one uh, there, if not for, for an OU penalty. Yes, and that interception he made was not – I mean, he, the quarterback delivered the ball on target, and right. Davis just took it away from a guy, which is always a good sign. It's one thing, you know, if a quarterback throws you the ball, but he didn't throw that ball to Davis. Davis took it from him. Yeah, that's that was encouraging. I think Oklahoma's secondary, once you got past that first group, uh, struggled a bit uh, tonight, Joe, with the exception of Jaden Davis. Obviously gave up those two touchdowns after uh, the first team came out. That might be one of the more concerning things when you just think about depth, which isn't surprising mm-hmm. given some of the things that we'd heard from Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley uh, before that, but uh, certainly something to keep an eye on as we move uh, here closer to Big 12 play. Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about secondary now, um, you know, I, it, there were times that they struggled, but the guy who had sort of a breakout game, if you can have a breakout game against South Dakota, was Brendan Radley-Hiles, uh, who definitely had the best game of his young OU career. And he seems to, you know, he, he talked about what's different in a sophomore season. And, you know, I, I don't think it was any secret. I, you know, he had a tweet after Mike Stoops was fired last year about you know wanting to play for a certain guy and stuff like this so it it seemed to be that they didn't have a great relationship Um, but Brendan Radley Hiles said today that you know Alex Grinch's system is really really easy to understand he's got three things to check on each play and he makes those and and he said at that nickel position he's able to have some freedom Um, so maybe he just feels comfortable back there I don't know yeah Barry uh, Radley Hiles came in with all the hype in the world being a five-star guy uh, lost his job late last season, was uh, on the bench for the majority of the, the latter part of the year. And I think some of us question, you know, how he fit in with what Alex Grinch likes to do. But uh, just a, a breakout game for him tonight with the the uh, fumble recovery and then the uh, pick six. I like everything I like everything about Brendan Radley-Hiles, except maybe how he played last year. <laughs> but I like the way he conducts himself. I like the way he yeah. handled the adversity of last year, he doesn't run from it. He admits it. Deshaun White admitted it about his friend and teammate. Like, you know, this is not something they're going to try to shirk. They're going to try to own it. And tonight he gets two turnovers. And, you know, you say, well, the one fumble, he just fell on a fumble. Yeah. But, Neville Gallimore made a heck of a play But here's on that the deal. You know, one. Alex Grinch explained the play, and then later Radley Hiles explained it. Radley Hiles was on the other side of the field and said he's been taught by Alex Grinch's Hey, if the, if the play goes away from you, I don't care. You go get yourself in the play. You hustle. And he came from the other side of the field, and then all of a sudden the ball is bouncing, and a South Dakota guy misses it, and Radley Hiles runs it down yeah, because so. he was hustling <laughs> and doing exactly what Grinch had taught him to do. So that's a, to me, that's a very good sign that you know that's one way you you know that's one way you get uh, you get turnovers is when when the ball does become free, you have a lot of guys around it. Yeah, Joe, that that certainly is yet another example of the difference in this defense. We thought we saw it last week, but you know, there's some questions and obviously there's still going to be questions about this defense until they do it in a Big 12 game. Obviously that Texas Tech game, I think everybody sort of has circled as this is when we start to really find out about this defense, but uh certainly with the first teamers tonight, you saw a lot of indications that uh, this is a different look than we saw a year ago. On the same day when we see Army 
do to somebody yeah. exactly what they did to OU a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as far as, you know, Barry mentioned it in his column, but, like, maybe this was the, the day that the lid was taken off as far as forcing turnovers. We looked it up. OU forced 11 turnovers last year. That was 121st nationally. Just terrible numbers. Got a few tonight, and maybe that's just what this team needs to see that it can finally, you know, t- touch, you know, g- get their hands on the football and to to know what it feels like now to get turnovers. And and Brendan Radley Heil said that you know that's that's something that they can they can build off of. So um, we all know that the nature of football, it's not always you know outstanding plays get you turnovers, but um, forcing them is kind of the M.O. of Alex Grinch's system, so it has to be done. Yeah, Barry, I, I thought also on defense we saw some other uh, promising signs. Uh, there there was no massive tackle numbers like, uh, you know, Kenneth Murray had 13 uh, a week ago. He, let's see, where he's uh, – he had four tonight, which – was sort of right there in the group as uh, the three guys with four. Pat Fields led the Sooners with six. But I thought Parnell Motley played well on the back end. I thought Kenneth Murray played well again. And then, uh, like I mentioned, Neville Gallimore there in the middle, who we talked about was Oklahoma's best defender last year, uh, really uh, uh, had some flashes as well. Yeah, and, you know, I got to thinking about Kenneth Murray. This is a guy that we, uh, you know, he's all over the field last week. All over the field. And yet, I didn't really notice him tonight, and I also didn't notice his absence either. I mean, and to me, it's sort of a good it's a good thing, and, and somebody was talking about it after the game, but there seems to be different guys sort of stepping into the stage through two games, whether it's Radley Hiles or um, Perkins and, Mur- and Murray last week. Tonight, Radley Hiles, and I thought Parnell Motley was very good tonight in coverage. So that's what they need. They need more guys making plays. and You know, they don't need a superstar. They need about eight or nine really good players on that defense. South Dakota is not a test. It's a 1AA team. But there are things you can look at and say, hey. Barry still clings to the 1AA terminology. Uh, show enough. <laughs> I have not bought into the acronym. The acronym it acronymization of America. But um, so I thought it was I thought it was about as good as you could get against a, a lower level squadron. Yeah, Joe, one of the things uh, is Barry talked about people uh, you know different guys stepping forward. Tonight Jalen Redmond makes his first start. We uh, I wrote about him last week about his uh, sort of path to this point, his move also to the inside at the defensive tackle and uh, I think we thought that him and Stokes would probably bounce back and forth there, and we we saw that tonight with both of them uh, playing pretty significantly. But uh, just a big big thing for Jalen Redmond to get his first career start. Yeah, I mean it's it's cool to see him do that with all that he's been through health wise, and and to see his journey back. But I, I think it's still a work in progress, a little bit up front to see um, where those guys fit in. And Jalen Redmond is someone that we talked about in the preseason even as an outside linebacker so to see him move to the defensive line and especially um, sometimes lining up on the interior uh, it'll be interesting to see where he fits where Laron Stokes fits where Ronnie Perkins Marcus Stripling I think is a freshman that's not going anywhere um, yeah so I mean Stripling played a lot last week yeah and we saw him play early mm-hmm. uh, as well so it's not like he was one of those guys who just sort of got thrown in there once uh, once things got out of hand but there were a lot of freshmen 
uh, talking specifically freshmen that play tonight, you know, Jeremiah Cradell. We had uh, uh, Joseph Wete. I'm uh, awful. I'm going to butcher that. Uh, I, th- I think you got it. I think that's what. It, yeah, that's what the pronunciation guide get says. Get him a get him a quick nickname immediately, <laughs> and, and don't deviate. <laughs> that's a uh, solid plan there. But uh, mentioned Jaden Davis. So we saw a lot of these. Uh, David Ogwegbu. Um, got to see Finley Felix out there a little bit. Uh, Stacy Wilkins played a little bit there at the end. EJ and Doma Ogar. So mm. a, a lot of these. Uh, young freshmen. Some of those, a pretty good chunk of those, are probably aren't going to play more than four games this year. Is yeah. they're going to redshirt? Corey Roberson was another one, but still, uh, good for them to have a pretty good chunk of playing time out there tonight. Yeah, I think it's about time for us to to restart the redshirt tracker that we had going last year. But you know, if you look at the receivers, Jaden Hazelwood's a guy who's clearly going going to play more than four games. Bridges and Weiss. Probably one of them won't redshirt, but the other one might. Um, well, you know. I, I think it appears right now that if one of them redshirts, it's going to be Theo Weiss because Bridges has played some special teams yeah, uh, and does some other things for the Sooners, so it doesn't, doesn't and, seem and like Weiss he's going to And play against Houston, so right. that makes sense. But, you know, you look at a guy like Jaden Davis and some of the comments that Alex Grinch made after the game – He's a guy that's probably not going to redshirt. Marcus Stripling certainly won't. So I think now through even through two games, you can see who might not hit um, that four-game mark. And as far as playing time, saw a couple older guys who played today that didn't get action or much against Houston. Guys like Robert Barnes, Mark Jackson both got into the game. Uh, Levi Draper played quite a bit. So Yeah, and we did see uh, Dylan Fontmontau played, played a little bit tonight after he set out last week. Don't believe Kenneth Mann played. Uh, was uh, uh, rolling through the participation list. Didn't see him on there, uh, but um, some some good signs uh, for them up and down. Barry, one thing that I sort of hoped to see tonight that I didn't see was giving uh, Callum Sutherland a chance right. to kick a field yeah, you're goal right. yeah. after missing a couple last week. All those dang touchdowns got in the way of <laughs> kicking any field goals. Um, yeah, although, I mean, the guy can obviously kick field goals. I just want, to me, but you need you to need find to. out if he can make them under pressure. There wasn't going to be any pressure tonight. So, you know, I, I think you'd like to see if the guy can, before you go to Dallas, you want to make sure the guy's sort of, is in a little bit of a tense situation. Maybe try one at the end of a half or a long one or something. I, you know, I yeah. don't know if they'll play any close games between now and then, but you don't want to go to Dallas not sure that you got a guy that can make a 44-yard field goal if you need it to beat Texas. Yeah, I mean, last year we saw the importance of field goal kicking in that game with uh, Cameron Dicker kicking the game winner. But, uh, yeah, Joe, that that's one thing that you would certainly – like to have seen or, or like to see just to, to feel a little bit better about that. And it's sort of the same thing that Barry was talking about with turnovers uh, to, to get some positive momentum going in, in that direction, I think uh, would have been nice tonight. Yeah, I thought this was a game where they could almost set up those opportunities to kick some field goals and to get them on the field, but it, it just didn't happen. I mean, they had so many big chunk plays that went for touchdowns that it's not always easy just to you know, get stopped short fourth and three and kick a field goal. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's one thing you, you can sort of nitpick special teams wise. Uh, this was a minor thing, but I thought it was interesting that Drake Stoops was back there to return one of the one punt. Maybe? Yeah, yes, and I although, liked it. Yeah. I well, like that a lot. Yeah, I was about to say I was surprised that C.D. Lamb was back there on the one in the second half. It was a great return. He had uh, what a twenty-six yard return for C.D. Lamb. Nice little spin move to get out of it. But uh, when he's your number one receiver. You don't he need him back there returning punts. Exactly. I, Unless he's I, the only guy on campus that can catch a punt. Yeah. But if he's the only guy on campus that can catch a punt, then I endorse. But we saw Drake Stoops catch one tonight. So. I assume Drake Stoops can catch a punt. Yeah, That's my assumption. <laughs> well, I don't think you have to assume because he actually did it, Barry. Well, there but. you go. There's proof. <laughs> Imperial evidence. He's caught 100% of the punts in his OU career. Even though it looked like he was trying, he fair caught it and then uh, tried to take off. Yeah. Uh, after perhaps he's not up. Perhaps he doesn't know all the rules of football. Maybe he's not. <laughs> maybe he's not seen enough football to know that particular rule. Yeah, I mean, you know, when your name stoops, I don't know how much uh, much football he watched growing up. So, um, but no, I I I thought that that was that was good. Um, Barry, anything else that you would have liked to have seen that we didn't see tonight from the Sooners? I'd like seeing that second team defense. Mixed with some first-teamers, I'd like to have seen them play better. They let two straight touchdown drives happen. Uh, the second touchdown, they almost got that fourth down stop, but Jordan Parker fell down. They throw a touchdown pass. They rule it out of bounds, but you know, it looks like maybe he got his foot in and they gave it to him. Um, you know, generally speaking, uh, the Sooners historically have have wiped out the OU defense has wiped out one double A opponents. Um, four times in six games, they haven't allowed a touchdown. That would have been nice tonight. First team defense did it. The second team let up a little bit, and Grinch was not too happy about that. But that's a little bit to be expected. This is, you know, it, it's it, it's a big enough it's a big enough task for OU to find one good defensive unit. Now, if we want to ask him to have two, we're probably asking too much. Yes, we are. Now we've talked for. Uh what over uh, 20 minutes now joe and we haven't talked much about uh oklahoma's first team offense tonight but uh you know you mentioned jalen hurts a little bit there early but cd lamb had a heck of a game a heck of a start had a, a a nice catch there on the uh what was it the second play of the game that was wiped out by one of those penalties mm-hmm. but then uh comes back immediately catches another ball the next drive catches a, I think it was a 48 yarder if I'm not mistaken that I'm just sort of amazed that he was able to see the ball coming in there with the way the defender was on him he's sort of falling down yeah. as well but finds a way to haul it in yeah I mean he was falling down <clears throat> looked like it was going to be a blind catch and he made it um, six receptions 144 yards all in the first half right I yeah, mean, he, yeah he looked he, like he was on pace to crush his record which was 167 yards, um, and he had 144 today. Yeah, but uh, on, only six targets for him, so he caught a ball on every time that he was Decent thrown out. average. And, yeah, not uh, not bad at all. Well, uh, I mean, it's not like they got a ton of incompletions, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, he only had six all night. Hurts has seven this year. Yeah, he's completing like 83% of his 83. passes. 34-41, I had the percentage. Yeah, earlier. I mean, I, you know, that, that uh, it's touchdown nice. to incompletion ratio – I don't know if that's going to cut it. Six, quite. To seven. Six to seven. I should ask him that. I should. 
This, that should have been my question <laughs> well, this week. You, you've, you actually have thrown more incompletions than touchdowns this year, Jalen. Seven to six, or are we going to see improvement there? <laughs> I'm trying well, to get a smile out of the guy. I'm trying well, to get man, a, you, What are my chances of getting a smile out of the guy this well, year? Right this now, like not looking 4%. good. 4%. I mean, he's like <laughs> – it's like Nick Saban is in uh, OU's post game. Would that have done it if I'd asked him tonight? Hey, you know, you got maybe I'll ask him Tuesday or Monday. I'll try to do that Monday. How about that? Remind me. You should help me out and remember it. I'll do it. Jalen, you got you got seven incompletions and six uh, touchdown passes. You're going to try to reverse those figures. Get the get on the, get on the high side of that ratio. <laughs> here's here's an interesting uh, little nugget that I see. Uh, I think Eric Hollier from OU came up with it. Uh, Jalen Hurts has twice so far this season in two games had a passing efficiency rating north of 250. Last year, Kyler Murray did it twice. So, (laughs) once again... How many times did Baker do it? uh, That I don't know. Uh, We'll we'll see if we can effort those numbers here uh, in just a second. Maybe if I can just have Joe talk for about... Yeah, I, I, I can handle it. I can <laughs> step in. I, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> just with Hurts, it's, you know, I was watching College Game Day this morning, and Kirk Herbstreet calls him the Heisman front runner last week after playing one game against Houston. Uh, ESPN's Heisman tracker had him number one. Pretty much everyone else did. And I just wonder, like, you know, I don't think I fully understood before the season that, like, after one good game that the hype could already be this big for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> By the way, Barry, we got the numbers. Yes. Uh, Baker Mayfield did it three times in his career, never more than twice in a season. <laughs> did it twice in the, the Heisman Trophy winning uh, 2017. Did it against UTEP. Did it against West Virginia. Uh, the other time was against uh, his good buddies down there in Lubbock during his return trip in 2016. But that's it. So, uh, Jalen Hurts in pretty pretty good company, I'd say. And yeah. they, they, we're talking about two quarterbacks who were historically great at passing efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nuts. I mean, here's the deal. At some point, I mean, if if Jalen wins, if Jalen wins a Heisman, they're going to have to start doing some sort of hard, hardware for Lincoln Riley. Is what they're going <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> have to say. Do, do, you know. do they have a, like an offensive coach of the year? Do you? I mean, it's. Change the name of the trophy yeah. to the Riley yeah. Trophy, the Tro- Lincoln Trophy. <laughs> yeah, and then Heisman Park, they'll have to like have Riley posed with each of his Heisman winners what is, out uh, there. Uh, or something. Listen, if Jalen, uh, here, if if Jalen Hurts wins the Heisman, do you realize <laughs> that the Sooners are going to be three tr- three statues behind? Yeah, the two behind now. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. They can't get them scheduled in they, quick enough. They didn't know what sort of project they were taking on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to f- have to find all the more designers. They're going to have to find more uh, land more foundries. What are they, they going to do? Land. Are they going to expand there's, the campus? There's going to be a just, new student just, fee for just Heisman start, trophies. <laughs> just start double decorating them. Like you're going to have to build a Heisman uh, statue on top of another Heisman statue. We're going to have to. Uh, you know, go like mausoleum style with these uh, these statues, but uh, it's a good problem to have. It'll good be a thrilling man. acceptance <laughs> speech this year uh, if he <laughs> if he goes on to win it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make that uh. my pet project. I am going to I'm going to try to crack the icy facade of Jalen Hurts. Just an interesting <laughs> note: he was uh, uh, Benny Wiley, the strength coach. 
He put it on Instagram, but Jalen Hurts was like working out in OU's facility. Still in it, he came into his post game press conference in his football pants, which and was pads. interesting because last week he comes in in the the suit. Yeah, well, he didn't have his his coat on, but he had his vest. vest on. Yeah. Looked really sharp, and then this week he rolls in and yeah. his uh, hadn't played since earlier in the pants. third quarter and yeah, still had his, his football yeah. pants on. and his uh, shirt. So, so I wonder if he just didn't feel like he got enough of a workout in tonight. To yeah, I mean, I think that's you know. It doesn't. It's not fake. I mean, it doesn't seem fake. It's like he does not accept the success that he's having, and like, who the heck goes and works out after a game like this? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, there's only one player I can remember ever doing that, and it wasn't on the wasn't a football guy, uh, some guy named Buddy Heald. Oh, really? Who I was thinking of Russell Westbrook. Well, <laughs> he did it once. <laughs> well, yeah. After I, a not so great game, but uh, he is, his I percentage, or whatever it was, was some. Something below uh, 83%. There were, there were a couple times when OU played on the road and Buddy Heald would go to the, to the gym and to Lloyd Noble Center and work out after they got back. The, the man just loved to hit up shots. By the way, Buddy was here tonight and is apparently going to be uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles next week with virtually every uh, high-profile former basketball player that's ever played with the Sooners because apparently Trey Young and Blake Griffin are going to be there as well. Yeah, maybe uh, Russell Westbrook will be there. Yeah, you never know. I don't Probably wouldn't be wearing an OU jersey this time, I would <laughs> no. guess. He, uh, he's a UCLA he, fan, he, he, Grant. He, he needs to wear a sack over his head. Yeah, he wore a UCLA <laughs> jersey uh, last year. How yeah. many people are going to be at that game next week, Barry? There were half red. south of 40,000. Half red, half blue. I mean, Half red, half blue. It's going to be an – UCLA lost to, to San Diego State tonight. It's going to be a lot like an OU Kansas game or something as far say, as the crowd, right? Well, a lot of Californians come out to see it as soon as. I'll bet they have 45,000, and I'll say twelve to 15,000 of them are Sooner fans. Not all coming from Oklahoma. There's a bunch of Oklahomans. Yeah, I know a lot of people who live, sort of circled this game. Who, uh, who live out in California. A lot of them are Okies. They're, I mean, they're second, third generation Californians, but they've been lifelong Sooner fans because of the, the migration 80 years ago. I know several people exactly like that. So I think it'll be a very healthy crimson turnout at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so that'll that'll be interesting. Uh, what time? Seven o'clock next week, Barry. I think uh, Oklahoma time. Five o'clock. Five o'clock in, uh, in the in the. Uh, um, uh, let's see. Uh, Trying to think of what's the name of the Arroyo. They call it the Arroyo. Forgot the name of the Arroyo, which is the big valley where the Rose Bowl yeah. sits, but you'll be able to see the sunset over the San Gabriels. And I have never been to the You've Rose never Bowl. Been to the Rose I've never Bowl. been to the stadium. I've only been to California once. If any and any OU fans listening, pack like you're going to tonight's OU game. It'll be hot. Yeah. One I was, of the hottest games I've ever attended was the U, the the OU UCLA in September of nineteen ninety. It gets hot in L.A. in September. That's a, It's a hot time of the year there. And you looked at the forecast, high in 91. Yeah. And it'll be hot at the Rose Bowl. The, the, the sad thing is it's it's currently 70 degree. We're here, sitting here at uh, almost midnight on uh, Saturday night. It's 70 degrees in L.A. High Tuesday is 79 uh, high Wednesday, 80, and then it starts climbing up. And Saturday, of course, is going to be the hottest day uh, probably remaining of the summer at uh, a high of 91. So 
Oklahoma got some good prep for that tonight. Yeah, at least you'll, you'll feel like you're home, except better scenery. Yeah, there, there's the, we didn't see any mountains, uh, no mountains over here, but you know maybe we'll have a little bit of wind. There was like no wind uh, here tonight. It was uh, just uh, before we hot. go, I, let me speak up for the view from. Uh, Oh, no, I'm not saying Because that this here I happened to come to the Norman North Norman game Thursday night. Yeah. I sat on the east side, up at the top, up against the wall, because my eight-year-old granddaughter wanted to cheer, <laughs> and she had quite a bit of stamina. She never quit cheering the entire first half, like doing <laughs> cheers, standing on the bleachers, so we got as far away from people as we could. <laughs> and the view of the sunset, the campus and the sunset from the top of the stadium is, is fantastic. This, so, yeah. Rose Bowl, you got nothing <laughs> on Owen Field. Yeah, this actually isn't a bad view. Um, but I'm looking forward to to seeing that one and and getting out there. But uh, Joe, uh, parting thoughts? Anything we haven't covered that uh, that you feel like you need to make a comment on after this one? <laughs> no, I mean not not really. You know, just seeing again. I, I wanted to see the two backup quarterbacks, and, and I know Tanner Mordecai is that number two. But I wonder if something happened to Jalen Hurts. I, I would think they would turn to Mordecai first, but it kind of makes you wonder seeing both of them who could be that guy if if they needed a new permanent fill-in. Yeah, and that's sort of what I've said since early in the year. You know, w- when an injury happened, if it happened to happen to, with Jalen Hurts, what would they do? Uh, especially uh, a little bit later in the season, after Rattler sort of got his feet wet, but it appears he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, but because uh, then by yeah, then like, you forget like Barry that he said. Yeah. Tanner Mordecai performed pretty well, too. Yeah, Let's exactly. not write him off. But after this one, everybody wanted to talk about Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Barry, other than uh, granddaughter cheering? Any any parting shots, anything we haven't uh, discussed that we need to? No, C.D. Lamb was fantastic. Jalen Hurts was fantastic. The defense took the ball away. The backups, the young quarterbacks and receivers were really good. That pretty much sums it up. Um, I look at this game, uh, though, as uh, glad it's over. You know, the one double A never gets me excited. I did think it's cool that South Dakota was here. Uh, the truth yeah, is, they South- brought their band. On, they like, brought Tennessee their band a couple years ago, and they marched. And I thought that was great for the South Dakota kids to get to march in a place like this. Yeah, it's funny. I sent my daughter a video of them marching because they played Old Town Road, which my daughter, eight year old daughter, loves. <laughs> And she was just over the moon about that. <laughs> Old Town Road apparently is taking the. You know. My other, <laughs> another popular. one of my granddaughters, thirteen-year-old Riley, she does a rousing rendition of Old Town Road. It's the, <laughs> you'll fall out of your chair laughing at it. Well, apparently we need to get Riley and Sydney together. But uh, and, uh, but good for South Dakota. I mean, I, you know, they were as good as a lot of the mid-majors OU would, would bring in. So, um, which is not very good. But um, you know, it, it's good experience for them and. Sooners got to play a lot of people. and You know, Lincoln made a good point. I counted 82 players that OU played. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but going by the participation chart, it says yeah. 82 Sometimes players. Sometimes those change a little yeah. bit. But approximately 80 players. And Lincoln made a point. He said, you know what? Getting to play a lot of guys helps you because when you start having to play these guys in, in tougher games, you want them to at least know what it's like to be out there. And they were at least, you know, got through that step today. So I thought that was a good thing. Yeah, there were there were certainly uh, some good signs, but yeah, like Barry said, at least we're uh, moving on here. UCLA, I don't think UCLA is what a lot of us expected to this point after falling to zero and two today with the loss to San Diego State. 
like I said earlier, less than 40000 in the Rose Bowl for that one. But uh, the Sooners will face the Bruins next week, and then it's uh, on to a bye week. And then uh, here comes Big 12 play. So uh, it, it's right around the corner. But we're going to wrap it up right there. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Sooners Extra Podcast. We'll be back next week with a couple more episodes. Hopefully have some guests on as well as we preview UCLA. You can check out our work every day at theoklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best of your coverage. Yeah.